It took something for that marriage to be what it is today and for your marriage and mine. And what it took is what I want to talk to you about today and yet I'm not talking about especially the marriage or your, your maid or your family. I'm talking about our relationship with the Lord. And I have entitled a message today, I Surrender All. The Bible is full of scripture that tells us that God will step aside or turn aside if we have not made that total complete commitment of ourselves to the Lord and to his lordship. And so join with me this morning as we open the Bible and as we listen to God share what it means to surrender all to Christ. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, uh, Psalms uh, 51, beginning at the seventh verse, and I'd like for you to everybody stand <laughs> I like that. I don't have to say it. Gracious, I want you all to know as you're standing, you're all pretty, most of you. Uh, no, all of you. You're beautiful. God's children, arrayed in the, in the glories of his love, makes a pretty person. And I uh, heard a man say once said, uh, uh, that he was talking about his, his wife and said, boy, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And uh, one said, but we know that beauty is just skin deep. Someone else said, well, I know in one of they probably ought to skin them. That's not good. I want to share with you some pretty verses, some verses about something that is so important to God and ought to be to God's children as we read from Psalms 51, beginning at verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, David said, to God, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joys of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. May God add his blessings to those beautiful words, promise that we have today. Would you bow with us as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you today for being able to open your word and to hear a challenge to each of us that we ought to be ready to surrender all of our life to you and that we need to lay down our lives for your cause and know that you laid your life down for us to be able to do just that. And Lord, we did ask you that as we look at your word and we look at the, the writer of the psalm that we might kindly put ourselves in his shoes that would realize that our need of a recommitment, our need of re-coming to you with our desires to be more of what you'd have us be while time affords us. Guide us now, God, as we listen to you in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. May be seated. Judson Van Deventer. I never heard of him till not long ago. But he was the person who has written a poem several years ago. I like poetry, as some of you know. But he had written a poem that he had entitled it, I Surrender All. One of the things as you read the story of Deventer was the fact that he had not done that. He had a need and a desire to do just that and he came to God with his petition. 
he came to God with his desire and that he wanted to surrender his life totally, some totally, to God and to his will. And it led him to write the song that he entitled in the poem, I Surrender All. And he realized one thing, that he felt short, or he fell short of feeling worthy of coming to God. I don't know about you, but I've had the unworthy feelings many times. Many times when I feel like that, even to stand before you from time to time and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have told God how unworthy that I am to do that. And I always feel the sense of the fact that he says that is exactly right. But he has not called us, did not call me, will not call you to a task in life that he won't leave a promise along beside it, and that is that I'll be with you. And so I stand here this morning to proclaim the precious truth of surrendering it all to Jesus, but I tell you that I'm not standing alone because I speak to you the words of Christ. I speak to you the words of my Lord and Savior because he said, I'll be with you and I claim that promise. All the way my Savior leads me. That's the song. And that's what we need to do. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Matthew, the 10th chapter. See if I can turn there. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 38 and 39. Simply says, And he that taketh not his cross, that's Jesus talking to you and I, to his people even, but he that taketh not his own his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it, but he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. One of the first time, or steps to make in a surrendered life to the Lord is the fact that we are willing to give up our own selves in an effort to be what God wants us to be. You see, there is a double notion of life that will not let them run side by side, and that is our will and his. Now, he does not want robots. He does not want people who will move with every little tingle that, it, that we get, and we must in, in order to be in the spiritual realms of, of the existence he wants us to be in. And yet, as we realize that we must be so willing to take up our cross, and you have a cross, Jesus had a cross, so do I have a cross? What is that cross? What is yours? I think as we look at the Bible, we can see that our cross is beginning with a commitment. Our cross is to carry the load that he has presented for us to carry. And that load might be even a burdensome load at times. But he says, I'll be with you in that. And so one of the things I believe the Bible teaches that we can see that blessings, or brokenness rather, will precede a blessing. Does God need to get me there in order to bring me here to where I need to be? Yes, sometimes he does. Sometimes I believe he, he needs us to do that, needs to do that in order for us to be willing to abandon ourselves and leave ourselves set aside in order to serve our Savior. And that's what following God is all about. We're not here today on our own. None of you are here or in your walk of faith as you are. I'm trusting most. You're not there by yourself. The next time you see, and I've never, a terrapin sitting on a fence post, I want you to realize that dude didn't get there on his own. 
Neither did you get in the spiritual existence that you are in today by yourself. You could not be where you are today with Jesus and bearing that cross had you not had the help from Almighty God to put you where you are. We need to be thankful for that. We need to ask God. As we look at this, the first step certainly is surrendering our all to Jesus. Read a story not long ago, a, a fellow by the name of William Booth. You ever hear of him? Sure you have. The founder in 1865 of the Salvation Army, which was an organization that was so, so Christian-oriented that he made such a commitment, and that had to be his all to the Lord. And someone asked William Booth in a later day, How do you, what do you attribute to being such a success in the Salvation Army movement that has taken place? And here was his answer. I told God he could have every bit of William Booth. And I think that's where we need to be today. I think we need to make that commitment. And maybe this church service today and the invitation might be to you to do just that. God, I give you every bit and call your name to God. I think maybe that's what we need to do. Billy Graham wrote a book, in Living in God's Love, and I love to read a lot of his writings. And uh, he speaks of a personal love for God and, and, and people everywhere and uh, that we need to try to get better and do more. What? Well, I'm not sure where that's going. But to come to Christ just as we are, he would end that message. Yes, we need to try to do more. Yes, we need to try to do better. We need to reach out more than we are doing. There is a lot of lost people in the world today that you could be an instrument in God's hands to reach them for Christ before it's too late. Don't wait. Because time is of essence. We need to be up and about our Father's business. And the business is to tell others what a joy it is to know Him. You know, you've heard me say a half a dozen times and more, and that is the fact that, you know, I'm saved, and I'm proud that I'm a Christian. I'm proud that I know Jesus Christ in my heart. But I'm not just saved to be satisfied with that. And though I am, there's no greater satisfaction in my life than to just ponder the fact that God saved my soul back in 1956. I'm so proud of that. But I believe that we're not saved just to be satisfied with that that we can feel. But we are saved to serve God. We're saved to be an instrument in his hand. We're saved to be a mirror of God's love in the life of someone that needs to know about that joy. So as great as it is to have it so embedded the very depth of our soul, once in a while, ask God to help you bring it to the surface and say something that will show others about that joy. You know, I can't see inside your soul. And I can't hear what you're saying for seeing what you're doing at times. But God wants us to radiate his love and to mirify his grace into a world that doesn't know about it. In our Sunday school class, we talked about Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes and how Jesus even called them hypocrites. And one of the reasons they believed in God, but they had not come to the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And you know, there's a lot of people today that knows about God, but doesn't know God through Jesus Christ. And there's a vast difference. Even Satan, my friend, believes in God. He does indeed. And so we listen to David make a commitment to God. A man who had been an instrument in God's hands on the battlefield, 
a man who had been an instrument in God's hands at the, at the foot of the king and playing the music that would soothe his hurting heart and soul. A man whom God would use at a very young age to bring about victory in a battle that no one else could do except this one little boy in a sling and a rock as he slew the giant. Well, that little boy grew to be a man, had sin enter his life at times as we all have sinned, but he come to the time where he realized that he needed to have some cleansing from God. And so he writes, as we shared this morning, purge me, O God, with hyssop. What was he saying? How does God, or what did David want God to do to his life when he said, purge me with hyssop? Well, the word purge is to be clean, cleaned, is to get out the foreign stuff, the stuff that doesn't matter about the matter that we are in. And with hyssop, we've seen hyssop, uh, when we was told it, I don't know if I ever told you or not, grows on the walls. And it is a stemmy looking vine with a kind of a cluster, a little heavy, fine looking cluster at the top. And they used that in ceremonial services where they would sprinkle, and I guess that's where some religions get the sprinkle deal, uh, where they sprinkled it in, a, in an act of, of purifying, in an act of purging uh, that person with, with something that is unneedful for God to be able to use, to get rid of unwanted elements in the life of someone. And you know, I think maybe we need to use that word today. I think that we may need to ask God to purge us. If you would just, just I want to ask you to do something. I, yeah, okay, God, I will. Would you join me as I say, purge me, O God? Let's say it together. Purge me, O God. Huh. In the quietness of that moment, God knows the sincerity of your heart as you said, purge me. And he is so ready to send a cleansing that will be second to none and will clean you and get, ready, get you ready for the gladness that you can't imagine. He not only said, sprinkle me with hyssop, uh, give an outward appearance of cleanliness in my life, God, David said, but go to work on the inward part. Make me clean inside. In a place, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let me feel what I want others to see. And I think that that's a need for all of us. We must come to this in our lives to have the restoring and the renewal that God wants us to have. David was recommitting his life to the Lord. This man, David, the one that Jesus was referred to as the son of David, this man had a need to be closer to God than he felt he was at that time. I don't know about you, but I've had that even this week, as I began to prepare even week before this, I was already in this directive. And I was realizing that I had made commitments. I had asked God to guide me and, and I wanted to ask God to give me a closer walk with him. And so I began to realize that though unworthy, I could come to the throne of grace and find mercy and help in my times of need, a need to have self set aside and find the Savior wanting to be the part that I wasn't letting him be. May we all have the confession this morning that 
rids us of the problem of the right relationship with Jesus. We need to have that relationship to have him Lord of our lives. And that problem is a little three-letter word. There is a problem with righteousness of God's people, and it is spelled S-I-N, sin. Heaven forbid. We're God's people. We're God's church. Heaven forbid us to be in the mode of sinful nature as God has saved our soul and made us in a direction that we need to be in. But that's the problem. A very simple, well, maybe not so simple at all, actually, because sin can be so rampant. In fact, it can cause a complication that we'll call separation. So don't live life with a complication that calls separation from you and God because God wants to use you. And he can't use you until he gets us ready for the task he wants to use us in. You know, God will never call you or me or any of us to do anything that he won't have a preparation time to prepare us for that. And the Bible is full of people who needed to be prepared. The, the Jeremiah and the, the potter's clay, it was, he was getting him ready to do what he'd already called him to do. And I think that's the directive that God uses. I want you to turn with me to Psalms 139. I want to see all of those two verses. Psalms 139, let me find it. 139, the last two verses of Psalms 139, I want you to look at it with me. And I want this to be the desire of our heart today. As we hear David say, and our need to say it, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me then in your way everlasting. If that could be our prayer today, we're ready for God to use us in a dramatic way. And if that isn't where you can be at this time, then there's some more need of praying. There's some more need of seeking. Seek God while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He is near today. You know, he didn't invite you to his house today and be gone. You don't invite someone to come company in your home and about the time they get there, you leave. You wouldn't feel the welcome that you would if you stayed at home. God stayed at home today and met you at the door. And he is now in our midst. The Bible says we're two or three and we way over the limit. I'll be with you when you gather. And so God has come today to help us. Sir Adams wrote a song based on James 4.8. And that song that she wrote, it was nearer my God to thee. Even though I have a cross or a crown, I want to be near you. And she wrote that because she read James 4, 8 that says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. I want us to hear that today in a personal way. Don't just hear my voice repeat that word, but hear God say, and I'm going to be quiet for just a moment and I want you to hear that. Amen. I heard it, did you? God invited us to draw in closer to him. And as we come today to a time of worship, we also come to a time of commitment. We also come to a time of 
invitation where God invites us into the realms of his will. And maybe we're closer to God. Maybe we are hearing God. But maybe you're not responding to God as we should. And I just ask you to ask God. You know, the lady wrote the song, Near My God, to thee. When the pastor asked her one day that she would write a song that would have to do with his message of Jacob and Esau. And how that Jacob dreamed. And he went to sleep with a pillow was a stone. And that's in the song. And as he slept, he saw angels descending and ascending. That's in the song. And he called the place Bethel. And that was in his heart. I want you to make a commitment today that you'll find a place tomorrow and or the next day that you can be so in the presence of God that you feel like you want to name that place. And by saying, saying name that place is the fact that he wanted to remember that place. I just love to go back and remember times that God was dramatic in my life, don't you? Isn't it wonderful to look back and feel the surge of God's love when it happened, what he did and what we, how our response was to him? May God help us to follow him wherever he leads. And so today, dear God, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for repeating your call, for telling us that you need us to be closer to you, that you need to use us in ways that you want to prepare us for that way. And Lord, we just ask you now in this invitation time, if there's some undone things in any of our lives, that today would be a day that we make that commitment to surrender our all, our life to you, totally and completely to the Lordship of your love. And oh God, if there be someone here that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, please Lord, don't let them leave without you. We know that you have a love that will never turn them loose. That will guide them the rest of their life's way. And Lord, now take us and let us quietly hear your call. Every name that is gathered. In your precious name we pray. Amen.